0: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of The AfriCast. Uh, joining me today is Robin Lee Chetty. Howdy. Hey, uh, Clinton won't be joining us because uh, it seems like I passed my sickness on to him despite not having seen Clinton or anybody at all uh, since last week. Um, I am recovering, thankfully. Uh, a little bit of bout of bronchitis. Not a not a fun time, especially in the middle of summer. Um, but yeah, glad to be back. How are you doing, Robin?
1: Uh I don't know 2022 2021 what's the difference anymore
0: Yeah Yeah <laughs> it's all just uh, exactly the same different day Um let's dive straight into the news because it's been a big week in terms of news Uh Robin you have some news about a Galaxy Unpacked event that's happening soon
1: Yes uh, Samsung as has been the I guess more recent trend Uh, They're hosting the Galaxy Impact event earlier than normal, and uh, they're going to be hosting one next month. Unfortunately, Samsung hasn't commented as far as what day in February it's going to be happening, but uh, reports we had earlier this month said that we could be looking at potentially April 9th of Feb for the first Galaxy Impact event of 2022. And it should be a pretty significant one, um, accompanying a little teaser video, uh, Samsung's uh, president and head of MX business, uh, Mr. T.M. Rowe, mm. uh, I think I'm pronouncing the surname correctly, uh, he kind of unpa- uh, excuse the pun, unpacked uh, some <laughs> of the things that might be in store, uh, kind of his thoughts as far as the Galaxy S. And also the Galaxy Note series of phones are concerned. Uh, Samsung famously last year chose not to release a new Galaxy Note. Uh, One of the reasons obviously being that they also just released uh, two new foldables. So there were a lot of premium devices on the market already. So to release a Note, uh, potentially could have cannibalized whatever uh, sales they were hoping to garner from their foldable devices. So from that perspective it kind of made sense. And one of the things uh, he said, yeah, quite a few points to make. One of the most interesting elements he said was, at Unpacked in February two thousand and twenty-two, we'll introduce you to the most noteworthy S series device we've ever created. The next generation of Galaxy S is here, bringing bringing together the greatest experiences of our Samsung Galaxy into one ultimate device. Uh, you also kind of alluded to the Galaxy Note, the S Pen stylus, so we could potentially see a Galaxy S device that has that stylus and is perhaps packing a bit more punch as far as specifications are concerned. Uh, the Ultra devices uh, immediately speak to mind. Those devices are larger and pack uh, better camera technology. Um, often it's a bit of an overkill in that respect, uh, but there isn't necessarily anything to differentiate it from the, the regular S or the Pro models that Samsung like to unveil at these events as well. So adding a stylus, adding more Note-esque features to the device, would make a lot more sense in my mind. It also means that Samsung would kind of be shrinking down their their premium flagship uh, lineup and potentially opening up more room for foldables down the line. So it would be an interesting move if it comes to fruition. This is obviously all conjecture and we're reading between lines and whatnot. So unfortunately we're going to have to wait until the Galaxy Impact has an official date and time. And then we'll be tuning in to see what Samsung has in store because uh, as it has done in recent years, the Galaxy S has kind of reset the, the marker as far as Android device, devices are concerned. Mm. And it uh, has been selling really well in South Africa.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm also curious to see whether they actually launch a Note. Um, my, the little voice in the back of my head is telling me that they're just going to release the stylus as a standalone um, accessory uh, I, I don't know if they're going to release a note. I'm. I i do not know. The the fact that they skipped a generation and they now seem to be teasing it. I don't know. Maybe the S. What what is it? What are the? It's S Ultra or S Plus Ultra. I'm not sure what their naming conventions are anymore. I'm sure that. Yeah, it's Ultra S Plus be... and S Ultra. Yeah. Maybe S Note
1: or something. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah, S Ultra Note Plus. Um, I I, I think it's just going to get confusing. I I was kind of hoping that this year would be the year where we kind of toned down on the amount of iterations, uh, because as it stood now for the last three years, I believe, we've had three different types of S-series phone, and it just makes it really confusing. Um, and the parity between devices is so small that it just doesn't make sense to buy the, the most expensive one. But, I don't know. Let's see what Samsung has for us uh, later in February. Right. Um, this week, I have been playing God of War for PC, and um, I have been enjoying it a lot. There'll be a review out on the website later today. Um, and to just run over performance, uh, we finished the game over a 21-hour playthrough. Play um, we played on ultra settings with AMD Fidelity, FX set to the quality setting. Um, and that actually helped a lot. Uh, not only did it lower the amount of uh, VRAM memory that we were using... Um, It also resulted in us hitting 63.9 frames per second at a 1920 by 1080 resolution. Even more impressive, though, is the fact that the PC we reviewed the game on never went over 70 degrees Celsius. um, That's for both the GPU and CPU. So this game is incredibly well optimized, especially for a rig that is about uh, minimum two years old and a maximum of three years old. Um, So yeah, this is really, really good. So if you don't have uh, AMD gpu there is also nvidia's dlss um, unfortunately i don't have an nvidia graphics card so i haven't been able to test that out but the amd fidelity fx works really really well um, the only issue that we had in terms of performance was during two of the major fights uh, in the game and then once while exploring the main sort of hub area the lake of nine um, there we saw frames dripped Uh, dropped to as low as 20 frames per second it's not too bad it's very momentary but i do want to mention it so that you are aware of it and don't think that there's something wrong with your pc however i will say if you are yet to buy this game um, update your graphics drivers because i didn't and launched into the game and the game just freaked out completely Uh, that was my mistake though uh, and a quick graphics driver update solved that problem easily enough uh, the only thing I would really, really like is a field of view slider, although I have read that they tried to implement this, and it uh, resulted in a bunch of bugs, um, so they just removed it to get the game out as quickly as possible. I can understand that, but I, I think it would be really, really nice to be able to just move that field of view a little bit wider so that you can see more of the incredible world that Sony or Santa Monica Studios uh, uh, created here. Um as for the story, it is fantastic. I'm uh, I, I am not afraid to say that this is the greatest game that has ever been made um, in terms of story, in terms of game design. Uh, it, it's just really, really great. And the way everything just flows and, and works together to tell the story and sort of reimagine who Kratos, the ghost of Sparta, is, I think it's just so, so well executed. And I cannot wait to see what happens with Ragnarok. Um, which unfortunately doesn't seem to be launching on uh, PC when it launches this year, hopefully. Um, so yeah, uh, that, that's probably the worst part about this is that the the sequel won't be coming to PC yet. But if they do eventually port it to PC, um, I think it's going to be just as great uh, as this one. So yeah, uh, our review will be out a little bit later today. So keep an eye out for that. If you, if you haven't picked up God of War for PC yet, um, yeah, it comes highly recommended. It's it's such such a good game. You have played it, hey Robin?
1: Yes, I played it uh, on the PS4 when i first released, and I, I I still hold it as my best game yeah. in recent memory. I won't say all time because of nostalgia and all those good things, but in recent memory on console, it is nigh untouchable as what? far as gaming is concerned.
0: I do just want to say that if you are playing this on PC, I highly recommend you play it with a controller. Um, I know that some people will burn me at the stake for saying that, but it just flows so much better on a controller. Having that um, that haptic feedback when the Leviathan axe gets returned to Kratos, it, it just helps sell the game so much more. And you you kind of miss some of that that experience when you're when you're playing on a, a keyboard and mouse. So. Get yourself a controller and play God of War with a controller. Right. Speaking about games, let's move into the meat and potatoes of this Africast. Uh, This week, in about an hour, this whole thing developed within an hour. So on, uh, I believe it was Tuesday? Yes, Tuesday. On Tuesday, Mm -hmm. in the afternoon, uh, there were a flurry of tweets about... Rumors that Microsoft was going to be purchasing Activision Blizzard. Um, all of it was just very much rumors at that point, uh, and there was no confirmation from either Microsoft or Activision or Blizzard. But we didn't have to wait very long because within the hour that the rumors surfaced, Microsoft uh, released a uh, press release stating that, yes, it has confirmed that it plans to acquire Activision Blizzard. Uh, for a fee that I think amounts to 69, just over 69 million US dollars. Oh, billion, sorry. 69 billion. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> N- let me not get it wrong here. 69 billion US dollars. It would make it the biggest acquisition of this kind in history. Um, and basically... So everything that so Microsoft is acquiring not only Activision Blizzard but King as well that includes all the titles Overwatch Diablo Call of Duty World of Warcraft Starcraft all the sundry titles as well as the other studios Treyarch Raven High Moon um, Beanox, Sledgehammer Infinity Ward Demonware and Toys for Bob. So not only have they picked up possibly the biggest IP in the world in terms of Call of Duty. They've picked up all these little uh, sites as well as King, which is a massive player in the mobile game space. Um, if you don't know who King is, Candy Crush. They make Candy Crush. Um, that game is keeps uh, making massive amounts of money for Activision Blizzard. Um, so this is a really big acquisition for for Microsoft. Um, uh, just to give you um, some some official... Some official statements. Gaming is the most dynamic and exciting category in entertainment across all platforms today and will play a key role in the development of metaverse platforms. Uh, That's from Microsoft Chief Chief Executive and Chairman Satya Nadella. Um, We're we're investing deeply in world-class content community and the cloud to usher in a new era of gaming that puts players and creators first and makes games safe, inclusive, and accessible to all. We're going to touch on all of these points. Uh, just just before we get ahead of ourselves. Um, But yeah, very, very nice, like clean statements when what Microsoft has acquired um, could be compared to a festering wound. Uh, I think we have to mention what's been going on at Activision Blizzard um, over the past couple of months. If you don't know, Activision Blizzard has been accused of harboring a... A workplace culture that's, what's the word? Uh, it's basically a festering wound of sexual harassment and employment inequity. It's not a nice place to work. And over the last couple of months, there have been reports and um, uh, lawsuits and statements from employees, both past and, and Currents uh, that have not painted the, uh, the the publisher in a very good light, um, and yet Microsoft paid close on seventy billion US dollars for this company. R- Robin, what are your thoughts on this? What do what you what What was your immediate reaction to hearing that Microsoft was purchasing Activision Blizzard?
1: Well. Financial Thoughts is it's a very smart move. Uh, as you mentioned, the IP that's under that umbrella is uh, substantial. Mm-hmm. It it kind of falls in line with Microsoft's recent strategy as far as bringing a lot of publishers in-house and potentially bring, creating a massive, almost like a war chest for itself down the line. Uh, we know that they really... Making significant moves as far as Game Pass is concerned, and when you start adding some massive titles to the mix, mm-hmm. and potentially exclusivity down the line, which we'll touch on shortly, it is a, it is a extremely smart move. Uh, also, when you consider that, as we mentioned, Activision Blizzard is mired in a lot of controversy, um, and this, I think, for a lot of people, and I will talk about Bobby Kotick shortly, but it could be a, a clean exit for a lot of people at Activision Blizzard. It could potentially also be a fresh start for the for the publisher in general. So from that perspective, at least from a Microsoft perspective, it is such a smart move. I know it'll cost them a lot of money, but for a company that has a Microsoft, it is a small price to pay when you think about what it could potentially mean down the line. So from that perspective, I think it's really smart. As a, I guess semi-neutral gamer, uh you know, I always I was talk with my precious hat on. Uh, but for me, it is a little bit concerning because of the fact that there will then be so many titles under the Microsoft banner. Yeah. It gives them a lot of control. And if we have seen anything as far as big tech is con- concerned over the past few months, is that regulators are keeping a really sharp look on them and wanting to find out just exactly how much control they have over a specific market. Uh, Google and Facebook in particular, the the sway they they have on their respective markets, social media, uh, mobile devices, for example, that immediately warrants probes from uh, watchdogs and regulators. So I am hoping that this deal will be probed before it actually gets over the line, mm. that there's actual checks and balances that happen because the ramifications, and, and people might think we are over-exaggerating gaming this is a massive industry this is this is a huge deal it, yeah. it could potentially be the deal of the decade uh, so from that perspective I think there are massive ramifications and we need to consider the fact that do we want Microsoft to be wielding this much control in the gaming industry um, yeah so those are kind of my my initial thoughts that it was a really great deal uh, on paper uh, it could be great for Microsoft down the line but at the same time, what other ramifications of giving them that much control in the industry?
0: Yeah, um, we do need to mention that the deal still needs to go through regulatory approval, um, and so it's not closed yet. It's expected to close in fiscal year 2023, um, so we're still a ways away from Microsoft actually mm. acquiring Activision Blizzard, but like you say, I think that there's going to be a couple of antitrust lawmakers who are going to look at this and go, hmm, Maybe this isn't the best idea. To give some perspective, though, um, if this acquisition goes through, Microsoft then becomes the biggest or the third biggest uh, video game company behind Tencent and Sony. So, I mean, those are already big names. But if you think of like things like Tencent has the path into China, um, which Activision Blizzard has worked with in the past, I, I believe. Um, and... Then you have, um, sorry, Sony, who obviously controls PlayStation, but now you have, like you mentioned, Robin, you have Microsoft now taking up, and they don't seem to mind just making things exclusive, right? Um, They've already said that the likes of the next Elder Scrolls game and Starfield will be Xbox and PC exclusives. Um, I have seen reports today that Microsoft said that they will keep Call of Duty platform agnostic, excuse me, but for how long will that be the case? right? Um, I mean, sure, for the p- first couple of years, maybe Microsoft will honor that, pro- that promise. But at some point, I'm sure they're going to have to go, well, you know, we would prefer to keep all of this in-house and not have to, to, to share with PlayStation. Um, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of we'll wait and see what happens. But I think the general air at the moment is that folks, gamers are excited everybody else is kind of looking at this going, hmm, is this too much power. Um, yeah. And I think, I think we need to, we do have to talk about the elephants in the room and that elephant is Bobby Kotick. Um, so I just want to throw back to some, uh, some, some comments that were made, uh, recently, uh, about, uh, uh Bobby Kotick. Um, Xbox, Phil Spencer did say that he was not pleased with what was happening and that they were reevaluating their relationship with, uh, Activision Blizzard. Um, clearly that reevaluation was monetary. Um, and perhaps if Activision Blizzard, uh, hadn't gone through the, uh, the turmoil that it's currently going through, maybe Microsoft couldn't, uh, would have paid a bit more for this deal, but yeah, as the fate of Bobby Kotick is very much an unknown at this point. Um, calls have been growing louder and louder for his removal from the board of directors and as CEO at Activision Blizzard. Um, But following a statement from uh, Microsoft to Video Games Chronicle, Bobby Kotick will continue to serve as CEO of Activision Blizzard and he he and his team will maintain their focus on driving efforts to further strengthen the company's culture and accelerate business growth. Um, However, Phil Spencer said, until this transaction closes... That's an important thing to note. Until this transaction closes, Activision Blizzard and Microsoft Gaming will continue to operate independently. Once the deal is complete, the Activision Blizzard business will report to me as CEO of Microsoft Gaming. So that's from Phil Spencer. So that's a really vague statement.
1: Yeah, so, I don't like um, uh, strengthening the culture. I don't like the way that sounds when you think about what's happening in Activision Blizzard.
0: Yeah, so until this, this, uh, this closes, I don't like... It's such a it's such a loaded term because I think that everybody in the gaming industry agrees that Bobby Kotick needs to go. I think that there are more problems than just solely Kotick. I think the board of directors at Activision Blizzard there are some bad apples within that board, but the buck stops at at Kotick, and I think most people want to see him gone. Will he be gone though? We don't know, and Microsoft isn't telling anybody, and we won't, likely won't know until 2023. Now, the side of this is that if Kotick is uh, is going to be leaving, you can rest assured that he has the most golden diamond-encrusted parachute in the world to save him. Um, so, yeah, you know, that whole saying, only the good die young and all those things. Um, but yeah, I... The other side of this is what is Microsoft going to do to turn around the the, the culture that has embedded itself at Activision Blizzard, right? Like you can – they can say that, oh, they're going to conduct uh, training and all that sort of stuff. But there are bad apples within that organization that need to be kicked to the curb. Is Microsoft going to lay off a whole bunch of people? Because I guarantee you that Microsoft lays off X employees after acquisition is not going to look good to both investors and to the public.
1: I do wonder though, um, and this is my cynical hat on at the moment. And again, I'm not a lawyer, but if I were to build a case, uh, should an antitrust probe come about? I'm framing my case as activism blizzard, is terrible in its current state. Mm -hmm. Microsoft has the power to change that. Let us buy the company and change it. Otherwise, it's going to continue as is. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're using that kind of toxic culture as an argument for why they should be allowed to acquire uh, Activision Blizzard down the line.
0: Well, here's my argument against that, though, is nobody has been able to address toxicity in the gaming industry properly. Hell, even Bungie, who has many, many uh, policies in place to address things like... Employment equity, harassment, discrimination—even they have fallen short of, of of the finish line as regards that. So, will Microsoft be able to fix the culture that that has embedded itself in Activision Blizzard? I mean, I'm not—I I don't know what the situation has been like for at in as regards Zenimax with uh, Bethesda and all those studios. Um, I'm not sure what the situation is there mainly because I don't think anybody's spoken out about it. I don't want to assume that everything is okay because just because somebody isn't saying something doesn't mean that they are that stuff isn't happening behind the scenes there. So, I'd be very interested to see number 1 what Microsoft plan is to address the the toxicity of the Activision Blizzard workspace and if they are able to fix it at all because like I think it's important to remember that the the game industry is a completely different kettle of fish to something like developing operating systems and releasing software and updating Microsoft 365. These are very different things where gaming is very, very high pressure, very deadline driven. And more often than not, you hear reports of things like crunch to where employees are working 100 hour weeks. Um, This stuff isn't uncommon. And I don't I wonder if Microsoft is prepared for that sort of stuff, especially with a a, a brand as big as Activision Blizzard, right? And it's not like Activ- like Activision Blizzard and Bethesda are not the same companies. People are drawing these conclusions they are not the same. Bethesda releases games when they are ready. Activision Blizzard is releasing new expansions for and and new new updates to titles. So Call of Duty, there's a new one every year. World of Warcraft is a new expansion and constant updates every single year. Um, you have games like uh, Hearthstone and Overwatch, like eSports titles, which Microsoft hasn't really jumped into until this point. Sure, you can tell me that Halo was the original eSport, but when was the last time that there was a Halo tournament that grabbed headlines the same way something like the League of Legends World Championship does? Like, it's it's not as big as that, but Overwatch is a damn big eSport. So was Hearthstone at a point before Blizzard kind of messed things up. So there's so many elements to this. I don't know if Microsoft is prepared, if they know what they are stepping into here. And the other side of this is the fans, right? Activision Blizzard fans are, in my humble opinion, the most demanding of all developers and publishers, um, having been somebody who is a fan of those games, I know what the community is like. And we demand things are fixed or released when they say they are going to. And if they're not, there is extreme backlash. Just remember what happened with Diablo 3 when that launched. It was uh, it was a disaster for Activision Blizzard. Now put that disaster on Microsoft's plates. Whew, I don't want <laughs> to be them, to be quite honest.
1: Could
0: I have another Windows 8 on your hands? Yeah, Windows, uh, please, a Windows Vista. You have Windows Vista, but with games <laughs> on your hands now. So this is all just, it's worrying me more than it's exciting me. The more I think about this. And then there's what Sacha Adela said about the metaverse. So during a call, uh, I say call, it was an investor call with Sacha Nadella, Bobby Kotick, Phil Spencer, uh, and Amy Hood, um, Sachin Nadella said the following about the metaverse. He said, We think about our vision for what a metaverse can be. be, uh, When we think about what our vision for what a metaverse can be, we believe there won't be a single centralized metaverse and there shouldn't be. We need to support many metaverse platforms as well as a robust ecosystem of content, commerce, and applications. In gaming, we see the metaverse as a collection of communities and individual identities Anchored in strong content franchises, accessible on every device, and bringing fantastic fantastic entertainment together with new technologies, communities, and business models is exactly what this transaction is about. So, the Metaverse to me has always been the centralized platform. Sort of like when I think of the Metaverse, I imagine the Oasis from um, the Ready Player One novels and, and the film. Um, and to me, that is that is what makes sense. A centralized place where everybody can gather Where if I buy something from you, I'm not going to have somebody on another platform that's able to buy that same thing just from somebody else. That's what that says to me, a metaverse, is a centralized ecosystem. But this is not seeming to be what Microsoft is doing. And this concerns me, not just for the future of games, but the future of this metaverse. Because... What we're sitting with right now in terms of the internet is a whole bunch of different platforms where you need to provide your information to all of these little platforms. So essentially, your data exists in 10 places. uh, The same data exists in 10 different places, right? And the metaverse to me has always been talked about how everything is going to coalesce and it's going to be one central place where everybody can meet with everybody. But now... Such an Adela throws this, uh, there won't be a single centralized metaverse, and there shouldn't be into the mix. And it concerns me that all we're going to do is we're going to take the web as it is now, put it into VR, and the same problems are going to persist. We're still going to have, you need to have Facebook to do this, you need Twitter to do this, you need YouTube to do this, you need this to do that. And all of a sudden, you don't have a metaverse, but just a whole collection of websites that are accessible in VR. Uh, is, is that where we're going? Robin, do you, what do you think of this? What, what's your well, take it, on this? Isn't
1: that what all these CEOs have been pitching recently? I remember uh, Mark Zuckerberg's uh, ridiculous meta announcement. That's essentially what they, they were describing, is... Another metaverse is meant to be a persistent digital ecosystem. But all it was is essentially a virtual marketplace for Facebook to sell new things. Mm -hmm. And it's very much what Microsoft, before this deal was announced, Microsoft were talking about the evolution of Microsoft Teams and how that can be developed into a metaverse where you have essentially a persistent digital world that is focus and oriented so you can have your meetings and whatnot all virtually in this virtual world so again that to me is simply selling you things you're selling me a microsoft teams account that i have to pay monthly in order to interact with people virtually so for me this deal has very little to do with the metaverse yeah. at all i don't understand how it has anything to do with the metaverse especially when you think about what ip activision does it has yeah I can I can already think about how terrible a Call of Duty virtual oh, reality game will be, be <laughs> given the vitriol and and just like the, the toxicity of the the gaming community. I don't want to deal with some thirteen year old throwing uh, racial slurs at me after I play the game. I really don't. Um, so yeah, for me th- this has really little to do with metaverse. I think like like I said uh, towards the beginning that. Microsoft are building up their war chest, and they want to make sure that they have their hands in every little kind of area as far as being able to sell people things is concerned.
0: yeah, I, I agree with you that this is not about the Metaverse. I don't understand why it was mentioned, but I think it is it is poignant to to recognize that we are not moving towards a centralized place where everybody can communicate with everybody. We're moving towards a place where, you have to be on everybody else's metaverse if you want to interact with specific people. So yeah, just just think of that. Keep that in the back of your mind when Silicon Valley bigwigs try and talk you into buying a VR headset um, that has their brand on it. Just, just keep it in the back of your mind. What I do want to talk about, which is exciting, uh, maybe let's step away from the bad news though and talk about something good, and that's mobile games. Um, I think that this acquisition could be good for Microsoft in terms of mobile gaming, which is a space that they haven't really played with. They have released games uh, for mobile using some of their IPs. There was the, um, the Gears Pops game, which closed last year. Um, there were a couple of Halo mobile games. But for the most part, Microsoft hasn't really played in the mobile space. And I think that this could be sort of its its burst into that scene, much like the acquisition of Overwatch could be its burst into the uh, the eSports scene. Especially with Microsoft embracing things like xCloud Gaming for uh, its Xbox uh, brand and cloud gaming. I think that's a, that's a cool... That's, that's, that's cool. But I think having standalone games, especially mobile games when Microsoft is developing Windows 11 or functionality to run Android apps on Windows 11 is very exciting. Um, and maybe it will give it a bit more who knows, a bit more ability in this area. Um, I think mobile gaming is something that we've traditionally overlooked. Um, but over the next few years, I think that we could see mobile gaming becoming a bit more, not not widespread, because it is widespread. What's the right word I'm looking for? More popular, maybe on par with something like PC or console gaming. I, th- I think that a lot of people see mobile gaming as this little joke, like pretend games like Candy Crush. But you can't deny that it's a really powerful medium and it, many, it reaches many people who don't have a console or who don't have a PC, especially here uh, in Africa where many of our, our citizens across many nations are mobile first and internet connectivity is a problem, um, or fixed line internet connectivity is a problem rather. Um, so maybe this could be really good for Microsoft. Beyond that, maybe... Microsoft will be able to have Azure servers in South Africa for games like Call of Duty and World of Warcraft. right? I know this this is something that comes up every time somebody says that they're coming into the country, right is where will this game But I think it's in Microsoft's interest to have Azure capabilities for things like Halo, um, for Call of Duty, these sorts of things where their local markets are are catered towards. And I mean there is an Azure presence locally. Um, obviously I don't know how complicated it is to create spin-up servers for things like Call of Duty, but maybe,
1: question mark? Potentially. I mean, South Africa's always been a PlayStation country, but yeah, if Microsoft wanted to make a bigger play with Xbox, because uh, likely or not, South Africa is the entry point into the rest of Africa for a lot of uh, technology companies. Uh-huh. So if you are looking to kind of reinvigorate your gaming presence and pushing mobile in particular having a local server presence in South Africa and then reaching up into the rest of the continent would make a lot of sense. I think also, as far as mobile gaming is concerned, there is a huge market here in South Africa and across the continent. And I think we're starting to now see hardware and specifically the silicon kind yeah. of catch up to where, quote-unquote, hardcore gamers yeah. would be more interested in, to, in it. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people, myself included, kind of held off for mobile gaming, but for the fact that when you get FIFA 22 on a console and you get FIFA 22 on mobile, the experiences are vastly different, mm-hmm. not just from an actual uh, gameplay perspective, but just look and feel it just, feel, it, it just isn't, it's just not, not comparable. So yeah. I know that we have devices that have the uh, good enough screens and, so some of which are targeting uh, 5G and can kind of handle the connectivity requirements It's now by getting the silicon up to snuff. And then we can start looking at uh, things like that, I think.
0: So I don't want to hop on this for much longer. I think we've said all we had to say, but I do want to pick your brain, Robin. How long do you think it's going to take Microsoft to pay back this acquisition or earn their money back from this acquisition?
1: $69 billion. <laughs> Um Uh, I would say it probably would take uh, maybe a decade, decade and a half. Uh, It just kind of depends. For me, I think it might boil down to what the nature of their contracts are currently. Yeah. Uh, We already mentioned the fact that uh, Sony have kind of reached a statement and they said that they expect Microsoft to abide by the existing contracts for titles like Call of Duty. Mm. Um, And remember, those contracts aren't in perpetuity So they will elapse eventually And it's really up to Microsoft to think Okay, are we going to make this exclusive Or are we going to make this multi-platform Because yes, exclusivity Cuts off your competitor But it also cuts off uh, a large amount of gamers And a large amount of revenue Because as we know In-game purchases is a huge thing It's why uh, so much money is thrown behind titles like fortnite for example and even call of duty vanguard which is uh it's not a very great game in my opinion but uh, that's that's, that's neither here nor there yeah so i think it's in their interest to make it to keep things multi-platform and potentially open it up to a wider ecosystem if they are serious about getting back their money but yeah look um that's probably above my pay grade
0: I 100% agree with you on that. I think that if Microsoft is smart, they will not say that anything that they've acquired from Activision Blizzard is exclusive to them. I mean, that obviously things like World of Warcraft can't go onto a PC or onto a, a console, right? But for the other mainline titles, I think that that's not going to be too much of a problem. Like you said, it'd be really, really stupid of Microsoft to say that oh, call of duty is now an xbox exclusive thinking that folks would just move to an xbox they won't people will just stop playing call of duty and they'll move to battlefield or whatever it may be even though ea's uh ea pass is part of um game pass at this point in time um and who knows maybe next year ea of microsoft purchases ea i would not be surprised at this point, actually, it seems like anybody, any independent uh, publishing house is at risk of being purchased by Microsoft. And if I was Sony, I would start go knocking on doors at Ubisoft and saying, hey, you guys want to come to us, you know?
1: Yeah, what's that okay. great line? Um, there's a great line in the Untouchables. Um, they put one of ours in the hospital, we put one of theirs in the morgue, so... Mm. Whatever you guys going to do, okay, we'll, we'll match it, we'll, we'll better it, and we'll find someone even bigger to go after. And it's
0: worth mentioning, I mentioned at the top that Microsoft uh, is now behind Tencent and Sony. Sony is the biggest uh, gaming company in the world at the moment. Tencent comes second. So Sony could ostensibly approach somebody like EA or Ubisoft and say, hey, come to us, come to our side of the fence. Many of our games get ported to PC eventually, and when they do, they sell like hotcakes. So, you know... This could, this could be good for you, and if I was if I was Sony, I would do that. Um, I would start knocking on doors because micro- <clears throat> Microsoft is not slowing down. They are not slowing down for one second, the, and when this is ignoring all the smaller indie studios that they pick up. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. Maybe it's
1: Sony a, should squash the, squash the beef with Epic and just say, guys, come on board. just play nice. D- that you. I. I hate to, that's
0: a, that would be a great idea because then Sony's got the PC markets, or they've got an entry into the PC markets, and then they've got the console. And to this day, I will maintain that Sony has some of the best exclusives out ever. Um, Horizon, you have Gran Turismo, you have God of War, which we've just spoken about. I mean, they have incredible oh, days gone. So so many good good uh, first party titles. And when they come to PC, people go ape for them. God of War is is Sony's best seller on the PC, right? And it's been a week. So there, there is scope to see it. But I also don't want to get to a point where we have two major video game publishers, and they are Xbox and PlayStation. Because you know things are just not going to be good for the consumer
1: at the end of the day. Right. Uh, any closing thoughts, Robin? Yes, um, I, I know we kind of said this is great for Microsoft long term, but I would, I would caution and say just be aware of what you're getting
0: mm.
1: uh, involved with when it comes to Activision Blizzard. And if you are serious about changing culture, then do it. Don't, don't just not We don't want lip service. We actually want some action on that front. Please. Yeah,
0: totally agree with you there. And that's going to do it from us. Thank you so much for tuning into this edition of the AfriCast. Um, hopefully, next week everybody is back up to fighting form and nobody is ill, holding thumbs. Um, <laughs> from myself, Brendan Lott, cheerio from Robin Chetty.
1: Thank you, everyone.
0: And we'll see you next week. Bye bye.